Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Gotta have an intro, man. Gotta have something to say. Yeah, it's good to be here. There yeah. we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> we are back in studio. Um, I'm going to continue to say that. I have to say that. I don't know what else to say. If, if you guys have any other suggestions, uh, you can go to the website and make those suggestions because all I got is that right now. So, uh, but we have a, we're, we're excited about what we're going to be uh, talking about today in the podcast. Before we do, Sean, how you doing? Good. 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 I was taught, someone came in the other day and I was, and I said, I greeted her like, yo, yo, yo. And she's like, oh my gosh, I just listened to you on the podcast where you said that. So it's like, you know, it's, it's just fun to be able to be ourselves on the podcast. To be known. Let, yeah. Just let your, people. Yeah. What? No, that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. The goal is to always make Jesus known, Michael. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. but I was thinking we need to get Jeremy to get some type of three. Did you just Jesus greeting. juke me? I did Jesus juke. It has that feel, <laughs> right? Wow. <laughs> so Jeremy needs some type of like three word intro thing. What should we say? I think it's good to be here. It's sufficient. <laughs> yeah. I think it's sufficient. And it's professional. Fits yeah. your personality. Yeah, it That's is. Awesome. It is sufficient. Well, I'm excited to get into another Gospel for Real Life booklet uh, series today. It was awesome. I hope you guys have already tuned in to the interviews and the books that we reviewed with Brad Hambrick. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing depression. So with the tagline is, the sun always rises. And we have with us today, Margaret Ashmore. Thank you for joining us today, Margaret. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And so Margaret's local. So we're so thankful to actually have her in studio today. Yeah, That's fun. Yay. Actually have a new face here and not be a phone interview. So thank you for driving up too yeah, and actually being to. with us. So just a little bit about Margaret. Um, some of you who uh, listen outside of the state of Texas might not know who she is. So just a little bio is Margaret attends Ben or Benchmark Bible Church in Denton, Texas. And she serves as the director of the soul care ministry there within her church. In addition to leading Bible studies for women, she's a frequent speaker for women's retreats and conferences across the country as an outreach to her church. So that might be something you want to check her out on the website. If you guys are looking for a women's retreat or conference speaker, she'd be happy to do that. Margaret has always been single, considering this a gift and allowing her to freely serve the Lord. And she's also a breast cancer and thyroid cancer survivor. Thanks for sharing a little bit about you today. Anything sure. else you want to add to that? Or Yeah, I think you just about said it all. <laughs> it's like, how do we sum up our life or all that we do in one paragraph, right? It's the hardest thing to right. do. Good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for just being a part of the Gospel for Real Life series back in the day when this all launched out. And tell me a little bit about how did you and Jeremy meet again? I, we met through ABC. I think you may have actually written an endorsement for us way mm. back in the day. Oh, yes. I remember now. When we were just a website, basically, yes. with some resources. Yeah. And you, you wrote an endorsement, and um, I reached out to you, and we met... One day, we had never met before, but we met at a Starbucks right. and just clicked. The and rest we is knew that, that our hearts were in the same place <laughs> when it right. came to soul care. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and it's been a blessing ever since. The same here, Jeremy. That's same awesome. Here. The fact that these books were, you know, released in 2013 and here mm. they are still giving so much truth to kind of, I mean, you guys are kind of launching in the launch of the booklet series, you yeah. know what I mean? Of yeah. when these uh, small booklets are always so good for us. Sometimes I can be intimidated. I remember when we first started counseling, 
we were so intimidated by like how many books were out there, especially by like organizations like CCF. And there's so much to read. And so these booklets are so helpful because it's not overwhelming. It gives us right. a good snapshot of the particular topic to help train us as a biblical counselor. Um, but then some of them being used to give us homework and resources yeah. for you know people to use. And so when you think about just you and the assignment that God gave you in writing this book, Margaret, what inspired you to write it? Or maybe even specific on the topic of a depression. Well, I think I would begin, first of all, by saying that I am not a licensed professional counselor. Okay. But I do have a testimony. I am someone who is, I think, the very grateful recipient of God's grace and His transforming power, and that He took someone like me, who was chronically depressed, uh, mm. always gloomy, uh, with a kind of a constant countenance of misery, He lifted me to a joy that I never thought imaginable. Mm. I mean, he, he only God can take someone like me. He turned a, a melancholy middle child, temperamental, overly emotional artist with a past of abuse into a completely contented and joyful person. Mm. So I, I believe the inspiration for me was that if God can change me, not with just some learned new behaviors, but from the root up, from the heart, that He can change anyone. You know, God says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, that our testimony is one of the greatest ways that we overcome the enemy, mm. who is the father of lies, who lies to those who are maybe even now in the deep pits of despair. And uh, the lie is that there is no way out. I mean, that's that's what he lies to people who are in the suffocating depths of depression, that you're always mm -hmm. going to be there. Mm -hmm. I always think of Jonah, who in uh, when he was in the belly of a well at the bottom of the ocean, and he felt hopeless, he said, the earth and its bars are around me forever. He thought, I'm never getting out of here, which was a lie. God had plans to deliver him. So I, I, I want to be able to say to people that there is a way out. And uh, that I would even quote Corey Ten Boom, who wrote from what she called hell in a Nazi concentration camp. Mm -hmm. And she said this, and it's just so uh, comforting. She said, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. So mm -hmm. no matter how oppressive or how abysmal uh, our depression might get or be, I want to tell people that God can reach beneath you mm -hmm. and lift you back up to the sun. Mm, that's so good. And and I wrote, and I think it's important that... There's the, a subtitle. Yes, there is. <laughs> mm -hmm. The sun always rises, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that the primary catalyst for such a change, because that's what people want to know, is how does that happen? And that is making the decision. It is a decision. It's a choice we make. Choosing to be Christ-centered, not me-centered. Mm -hmm. I, I believe it was John Piper who said, no one is ever depressed while they're looking at the Grand Canyon. Mm. Uh, he would <laughs> go on to say that, the, that God's love, and this is profound to me, God's love is not making much of us, always wanting to build us up, always wanting to put us at the center. His love is not making much of us, but dealing with our self-centeredness so we can make much of Him. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when we make the radical choice 
And it is a radical choice to, to forget about ourselves altogether. Self gets lost in the wonder and the glory and the majesty and the grace and the beauty of the, of the Grand Canyon of God's love. Mm. And that is when we begin to experience very real healing from what Piper also calls the joy-destroying disease of self-centeredness. Mm. Mm. We will have with unveiled faces, which we read in 2 Corinthians 3.18, a clearer vision of the Lord because the veil of self has been lifted. That's what keeps us from truly seeing God is we're looking at ourselves and not Him. Mm-hmm. And as we gaze upon Him, we will take on His likeness and experience more fully His freedom, His joy, His contentment, and His peace. And this is something I say all the time, and I say I preach it to myself as well. God did not come into our lives to fix our old lives to tinker with our old lives. He came into our lives to give us His life. And it's only when there's an emptying of self that God can truly fill us with the fullness of who He is. So the most life-altering decision a Christian can make is to look up, Mm. not out, and certainly not in. That's good. Jeremiah 17 says that our hearts are are desperately wicked, that they can fool us every time. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we not only not to look out, but we're certainly not to look in for our, for answers in ourselves. We do, and this is uh, something I believe very strongly in, we do become what we look at. And if we're focused on ourselves, we will, as C.S. Lewis said, be trapped by our own upbringing. The human eye is designed to only focus on one thing. And the Apostle Paul even spoke of the eyes of the heart, which is our emotional focus. So if I'm focused on my past and all those who've hurt me, I will not only be trapped in my past, I will begin to take on the image of those on whom I am focused. But if I make the volitional decision to look up, uh, and, and by the way, in that, also forgiving those who have hurt me, letting them go, stop focusing on everyone who's ever hurt you. Mm-hmm. Because again, the more you focus on that, the more you begin to take on that image. Mm-hmm. But if I forgive those, if I let them go and I look up, I'm now focused on the Lord who will give me the grace to overcome the joy destroying disease of self-centeredness mm. teach sister teach it's like I mean, I, it, this is saying? a preaching podcast well, I, I, tell, <laughs> I tell you well you know teaching just from the thought of just and reading the book and even just hearing your heart right now it, there is a difference when you can see someone's walked in it mm-hmm. you write you teach different you you know you interact with God's word in a way of saying like I lived this I felt this I yes. worked through it and even the thing when you were saying just looking at other people and you know not forgiving them it just goes back to that tagline that you just said look up and not out or outward right because right. we're looking at these other people and yes. and it's just feeding us in a particular way where we just got to look up i mean as one who also you know struggle with depression in a season of my life and still kind of have those spurts mm-hmm. we can almost if we're tired or just sad say we're depressed you know so in a lot of ways as counselors we've got to feed through when someone says i'm depressed we got to really think through and ask questions to say okay what does this really look like and oftentimes when I was going through, you know, my depression, I had a hard time even just communicating, like finding the words to even express 
really how I, I felt. Right. And a lot of people were looking at it. Is this a situational depression? Like, is this a physical depression, that type of thing? And then Michael, just really you walking alongside and having that outside perspective of, I literally have no, like, I just don't know how to kind of support you in that type of thing. Right. And so I just think that there's could be so many different capacities of those who are listening to this particular podcast, Margaret, that can be encouraged in what you, all that you just said is they might not even be the person that struggles personally with depression, a counselor or pastor that's walking with someone who's struggling with depression, a husband, right. That's walking with their wife or their children who's struggling with it and stuff. So I love the fact that we can take that perspective of just help them to say, and, and where I needed to be reminded, even Margaret is the fact that we're saying you can't change this yourself. Right. So it's not about looking outward or even just focusing on self. What do I need to do to make myself feel better? But just look to who he is. Right. Amen. Just look. Well to, said. Yeah. I love yeah, that. That's, so a, thank that's you. a, that's a good point about the eye, you know, using that as an mm-hmm. illustration that, yeah, there's things in the peripheral, but where the eyes actually focused on, that's where the attention is and everything. So to just even understand that spiritually mm-hmm. and remember that it, it is about looking up or not outward. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And when we think about depression in our culture, you know, people, um, people want to create their own man-made utopia where depression doesn't exist. Uh, but a biblical worldview doesn't allow for that because we live in the midst of the fall. And you do something very brilliant in your booklet in that you describe the normality of depression. And that might sound a little odd to some people, uh, but you're spot on. And I'd love for you to share with our audience what you mean by that. Sure. Well, depression really isn't anything new. And we just stated that. Uh, Hippocrates, who was the father of medicine, wrote around 300 BC acknowledging depression, Hmm. uh, which interestingly, he named melancholia. Uh, because it was believed it was caused by an excess from the liver of black bile, which is what melancholia means. And so it goes way back, the thought of people that have been depressed and, you know, for whatever reason. And, and I, you know, I don't know about you all, but black bile is a pretty good, uh, an apt description of what may be going on in the soul mm. when you're having a very hard time in life. So it goes really far back also. And we know this, two thirds of the Psalms were written in a minor key. Two thirds of the Psalms were written about some form of depression. And I thought I would just pull three just to, to, to hear the psalmist who uh, ages ago experienced what we experienced mm. too. Uh, and, and I hope too this will encourage listeners because this is the Word of God. Uh, Psalm 40 verses 1 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. That right there can help a tremendous amount of depression. I am not alone. The God of the universe who made me and loves me is hearing me. And he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. We also read, and I love this in particular, Psalm 43, 5. The psalmist is, interestingly enough, 
preaching to himself. Yeah. And, you know, the old Puritans would say, don't listen to yourself. That's what gets us in trouble. We can spiral down in a moment if we just let our thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, meander. Yeah. Right, that's the truth. And so this, the psalmist here is teaching us, don't listen to yourself preach to yourself. Mm. And so he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. He's looking up. Mm. For I shall again praise him. My salvation is from the Lord. And then lastly, Psalm 6, 6 through 9. Uh, this shows the, the real emotions of depression. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all of its foes, all of my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea, and the Lord accepts my prayer. And if I may also add, just talking about the normality of depression, that is, it uh, is uh, a natural result, of course, of living in a fallen world. Uh, I'm sure everyone's heard of C.H. Spurgeon, the, the prince of preachers who preached in the 19th century, and he always struggled with some aspect of depression, which he called the black dog. Mm. At age 22, he was preaching to thousands, and some prankster yelled fire, and it caused the death of seven of his parishioners. Mm. And his life from that day was marked by periods of depression. But here's the thing, and this is how I'd wrap this up. In all the psalmists' plaintive cries from the pit, they always put their eyes back on God, which lifted them. Mm-hmm. And you look at Psalm 3, 3. The psalmist called God the lifter of my head. Yeah. Is that amazing? But that, that means I have to volitionally look up and lift my head. And so that's what... What is important about all these psalms is that no matter how honest they are about everything that's going on, they know the solution is to put their eyes back on God. Spurgeon would even say that that there was a good purpose in his suffering with depression and that it made him a more compassionate preacher. And also it drew him closer to more fully identify with the suffering Savior. So indeed, there is nothing new or unusual regarding depression. It is, again, the natural result of living in a fallen world. And having souls vulnerable to sin and shame and hurt and sorrow. But the supernatural answer is God, who bids us look up, so that while we may experience depression in a fallen world, we won't be ruled by it. And I think it's also important just as an aside to add that some of our dark nights, some of our depression can find their origin in the physical realm. Uh, Hormones going awry, thyroid disorders, uh, arteriosclerosis, even dehydration can affect emotions. Listen, I can get down easily just by seeing the suffering of others. I The other day I was driving down the road and I saw an animal hitting the road and mm-hmm. I was depressed the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, whether it is just a down day or physical challenge, listen to the warning not to stay there. Mm. And this is this is an, uh, an old quote from a from an old mystic and she writes this 
I entreat you, give not long a place of despondency. This is a dangerous temptation, a refined, subtle temptation of the adversary. Melancholy contracts and withers the heart and renders it unfit to receive the impressions of grace. Mm. It magnifies hurts and thus renders your burdens too heavy to bear. Mm. So while we acknowledge depression and even experience depression, we choose to, in the midst of it, look to God for His enabling grace and His joy-restoring comfort. We may experience it, but we don't have to be stuck there. As a matter of fact, again, there's a warning not to. So, um, yeah, that's... No, that's... Uh, so, yeah. So a couple of things sure. that I think we want to highlight to the audience in terms of what you just said. Sometimes uh, biblical counseling has been um, maybe caricatured to only ascribe de- depression to being a sin issue, and you're you're bringing a, a very different. Um, very often has nothing to do with sin, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a form of suffering. Mm-hmm. And great men just like. Charles Spurgeon yes. um, struggled with that, and it actually informed his how he did ministry. So mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful distinction for our listeners to hear that we don't want to be practitioners that are uh, just sin focused when it comes to depression, but it's more uh, there. There's a lot of suffering in that, yes. and then also just the importance of habit. What is our when we are depressed? What habits do we give into? Mm-hmm. And you're giving us some beautiful, practical habits. Looking up. Um, uh, finding our peace and hope in God. So um, excellent, Margaret. Very good. I, I think the habit thing is a really good point, Jeremy, because I, I remember that I, got, I actually developed some really bad habits that even now in a season where I'm better, that I'm having to now make war on those bad habits that were developed. Um, Here, here's here's something that's in the in the literature that I think is fascinating, okay. that what we tend to do when we face negative emotions like depression is we will develop habits that in the short term make us feel better. Mm-hmm. Like sleeping, TV, eating, TV, TV mm-hmm. escape. Mm-hmm. In the long term, it's destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and what one of the the practical applications uh, when depressed is that we have to develop habits that in the short term may be difficult, may be challenging, may we may not be very motivated to pray and read scripture in the midst of a heavy depression. But we need to do that. And short term, it's more difficult than just going and falling to going to sleep. Yes. But in the long term. It were being changed by the power mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. Right. What's beautiful about that? It, it really kind of goes back to even what you were talking about, which is I think a huge takeaway. I'd love to put that on a T-shirt. But <laughs> stop listening to yourself and preach to yourself, minister to yourself, which is essentially saying stop listening to the flesh and where it is and listen to the Spirit, which is essentially what you're talking about, right, Jeremy? And mm-hmm. the idea of being able to preach God's word to yourself. We should. Let's make and, a T-shirt. And here's the thing, though. That, <laughs> but this is this is brilliant because what you're talking about, Jeremy, is it, it it's it's the least likely thing you want to mm-hmm. engage in when yeah. you're depressed. Yeah. But it's it's like you have to, in faith, realize that when I go to God's word, he is going to be the lifter of my head mm-hmm. in Psalm 3, 3, as you alluded to. So it is that battle, even like what you're saying, Shauna. So all of this is just, this is the warfare that happens that I think that God wants us to jump in that arena of faith with him in that in depression and to, that. And, and, and to realize that he is accomplishing something in that um, and there is a theology to depression um, but oftentimes we 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 want the immediacy of 
alleviating it and getting mm-hmm. out of it and not experiencing it. And so can I actually read, uh, this is a quote from you, Jeremy, actually, I remember when I was going, you know, really struggling with depression and, and, and I really, again, I struggled to put it in words, like what people ask me, you know, and I, I didn't know how to ask for support. I didn't even know how to put it into words. And I was looking through, um, and this is not a plug. This is literally like, I'm legit. This happened. I was going through the ABC <laughs> membership resources and was looking for assignments on depression for me to personally do this isn't even for counseling in this particular time. And this was something that Jeremy, you wrote, I don't even know if I've ever shared this with you, but I, I used this to set up the tone when we teach on depression in our training program. But l- let me read this because I, I feel like if you're listening to this on audio, these words should would probably reign true of maybe some of those that you are walking with the depression. It just puts it in words of like maybe where their heart was. And so here's here this, this is Jeremy's quote. He says, depression feels dark. It feels hopeless. It feels as though life is no longer worthy of living. Purpose, dreams, relationships, and enjoyment disappear as a vapor in the wind. Daily responsibilities emerge as impossible feats beyond one's ability to perform. Simple, typically mundane tasks like taking a shower or going to work seem beyond the scope of possibility. The relentless gnawing of anxiety and fear deep within the pit of the stomach reinforce confusion and misery. It will simply take too much energy to get going, or maybe there just seems no good reason to get out of bed. The solution, sleep, eat, starve, cut, drink, smoke, avoid. In one word, escape. The feelings of helplessness coupled with the demands of responsibility serve as the perfect storm in which the depressed person longs for nothing more than just to forget. Hmm. Like that, like is, was my heart. I, I, every word of that, that I just read, I'm, that literally was my despair. It was like someone put the words, like described exactly what I was feeling. Like taking a shower in a particular day was my win for the day. Yes. And I actually had to celebrate that, how simple that is, you know, where, you know, remember just pictures of Michael grabbing my arms and just pulling me out of the bed to give me a reason to get up just for him in that moment, you know? And so, um, anyway, so I just, I, I love, I just hope that that encourages someone today in a way that sometimes when I was able to put words to it, it made me see it in a way that I could then go to the Lord specifically to pray. If that makes sense, I needed, I needed help finding the words to even pray to the Lord as I looked up. So anyway, no, that's good. And it was speaking of which, so for example, Margaret, after your discussion on the normality of depression, you talked about the power to choose. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I, I'm going to say this quite simply, but I think pointedly, uh, those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we are indwelt by his spirit, indwelt by the living God who possesses all power. I mean, he tells ocean waves just how far they could come up before they have to go back. Uh, he tells the sun that. to sit still. <laughs> uh, he, and this is astounding. He knows all the stars by name. It mm. is They estimate 100 billion trillion stars in the observable universe. And it's almost an aside in the Psalms where we read, and he knows them all by name. Mm. He tells lightning bolts where to strike. And he used his power. I mean, his power raised Jesus from the dead. This is the power that now resides 
in us. In us, yeah. And it is our choice to tap into by, I'm going to say it again, choosing to look to God rather than ourselves, rather than other people, uh, and rather than our circumstances. Mm -hmm. Uh, One writer said this, and I, I just think it's very, very powerful. Our will can control our feelings if only we are steadfastly minded to do so. Surging emotions, like a tossing vessel, which by degrees yield to the steady pull of the anchor, will find themselves attached to the mighty power of God by the choice of your will. It's mm. mm. great. That's Very so good. good. It's like I'm just like almost breathless right now. I think I, you know, I here's here's what I'm really picking up and being reminded of that I think will be encouraging to those who listen is where this gospel for real life. I mean, we're talking about depression and and Margaret, you're sharing so much good truth with us. The book is almost like you could partner this book with Brad Hamburg's God Attributes. You know what I mean? It's like, this is the truth, just kind of set the tone of helping them understand depression, put words to what they're experiencing and going through. And then that foundational thing, I think you just keep, I'm hearing you at least come back to is looking up to the Lord yes, and just remembering who he is and yes. what he's in control of and what he's created and how that impacts. And you're right. Like the, the we often, so often forget, I actually, you know, who is it? Paul Tripp that talks about identity amnesia, yes. <laughs> right? We forget who we are. Yes. And, um, and I think that that's such a healthy reminder to, to literally rem- remember that the same power that raised Christ from the, from the dead mm. is the same power that lives within you. Mm. Like, hello. Yes. Mm. And that's so often something that we aren't feeling or realizing or remembering in the state of where our mind is in that yes. moment, right? Of our soul. And when we, when we choose to look up, I mean, I, I think the question would be, what, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I think what it means is we are looking up to uh, God and all his attributes. Mm-hmm. We are seeing life now through the lens of his sovereignty, mm-hmm. that, that all things work together for good for those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. We're looking up at his faithfulness, that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. Mm-hmm. We're looking up uh, at the truth, which dispels the lies in our lives. Looking up is a real doctrinal thing mm-hmm. because it, it writes our theology. It, it makes us realize now we're looking from God perspective and not from just our our small perspective on this earth i'm gonna have to go back and listen to this podcast and like put this in bullet points margaret girl you got me some notes i'm gonna be using in counseling so i, I love it i think it. also it's looking up we want to remember in so doing according to hebrews 2 and 4 we're looking up to a savior who has experienced amen. these struggles amen he has experienced discouragement there's a pat there's a Uh, Isaiah, I think it's 49, talks about him entering into a place of utter despair. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yet his response was to put faith in the Father. And so the Christian, you know, we as Christians, when we look up, we're not looking up to a God that doesn't get it. We're looking up to a God who has walked in those footsteps. A sympathetic high priest. Yes. One who's actually at the right hand of the Father. So when we look up, it's acknowledging what he did every time. And... The awesome thing in our weakness when we're not getting it right, the book of Hebrews tells us that he lives 
to intercede for us in those moments. Amen, brother. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's good. Well, you know, speaking of scripture, Margaret, do you have passages of scripture that you often use in counseling when you are, you know, counseling or helping someone struggle with depression? Well, you know, the, we know the totality of we know the totality of God's word is going to help everybody, but there was one that came to mind that has always helped me personally, and I use it in, in counseling as well. I, I absolutely love Isaiah 58:10. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom, which is the Hebrew word for depression, Mm. will be as the noonday. So the, the, the idea there is here again, not being me-centered, but being servant-centered, Christ-centered, other-centered, to take our eyes and our minds off ourselves. And God gives us this beautiful model here that if I will think about others, my gloom will naturally rise in the darkness like the noon of day. And what is the, what is the characteristic of noon? There are no shadows. Mm-hmm. Living for Christ and others chases away all the shadows in our lives. And I always encourage everyone who's in the depths of depression to to read the Psalms. Uh, They are palpably honest about our distresses, our fears, our seemingly endless dark nights, uh, the wounds of betrayal or abandonment. But again, in the end, they always lead us back to the praise and presence of God, which is the fullness of joy. Mm. Mm. That's very good. You know, I remember years ago... um, listening to uh, the late Dr. David Pallison speak on depression mm-hmm. and to a point that you just made, he made the comment, um, depression cannot make you love God or others less. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that power. Wow. And it may be, it may be more challenging, um, but it can't stop you from living out the design uh, for which you were created. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's good. Two questions I always ask myself when I was actually walking through that is, is Lord, you, you know, you're in control here, right? And so one, what are you teaching me through this? Right. I'm, I can learn and I'm going to grow in knowing that I'm, you know, spiritually maturing even in the state that I'm in. So, Lord, what are you teaching me? And then, second, my purpose is to glorify Him. So, Lord, how can I glorify you through mm-hmm. this? Yes. You know, and mm-hmm. it might be rejoicing of just taking the shower in that particular moment, yes. right? Or meeting that one person, you know, for counseling that day. But my goal was always still focused on Him of saying, Lord, how can I glorify you? This some days were harder than others, but those two questions might be helpful for you out yeah. there or for those that you're counseling so and and elizabeth and to to that elizabeth mm-hmm. elliot would always say mm-hmm. do the next thing so that always helps me when i'm thinking okay if i can just take a shower i'm, I'm going to do that mm-hmm. and then i'll do the next thing yeah that's good and that helps tremendously as we we walk through depression really and and in doing that next thing when you're depressed i often will cite the the story where jesus is is with his disciples and there's the little widow and then you have the Pharisees and they're giving in the offering plate and they're, the Pharisees are giving out of their abundance. They're giving lots and she gives a token. Mm-hmm. And he says, who gave more? And obviously it was her because she was giving out of her poverty. And so when we are counseling people who are depressed, they are, they are operating from an emotional poverty. Mm. And so for them to get up and take a shower in the economy of God wow. is even greater than a Billy Graham crusade potentially. And so that just gives meaning to, to them that, Hey, this is big. And God, God looks at you as he would the widow in your struggle. Amen. You know, Margaret years ago, I think when we did our first conference, actually, uh, 
you were very strategic in getting us a very special guest to come who we honored um the late Elizabeth Elliot. Yes. And that was a special evening. We still have that on our website uh, where she was honored and you you gave a wonderful talk. And so uh, you incorporate um, something of Elizabeth Elliot into your booklet. Uh, on page 33, share with us how you used an image of Elizabeth Elliot in an illustration. Right. Well, I'd mentioned earlier that there is an inexorable principle that we what we look at, we become. Uh, which, by the way, is why our Lord never said, try hard to be like me. Mm. He would just say, look at me. Take your eyes off yourself. Take your eyes off your circumstance. Look at me. And so he, uh, that's what I found. I found this principle to be true and how I drew her portrait. And so I know this is audio, but I'll try to describe it as best I can. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm an artist, so I'll take a blank sheet of paper. And using my right hand, that's what I'm going to draw upon. And I'll take the image. In this case, it was Elizabeth Elliot's picture. And I'll put it to the left. And here's the principle. And I think this is uh, helpful in my walk with God uh, in, in making the decision every day to look more at the Lord than myself. So I will focus on that image I'm, I'm going to burn it into my brain. I'm going to memorize it. And then ever so often, I'm going to take my right hand and I'm going to start drawing what my mind has memorized. Mm. And I'm going to keep doing that and keep doing that. But I'm going to look more at the image than I am at what I'm doing. And before I know it, that image is transposed on that sheet of paper. Mm. Uh, and that's what, that's what I think our Lord means by saying, you know, look at me. For, for, don't look at the past. Don't look at the, don't look at the people in your life. You look at me and you focus on me and you spend most of your time focused on me. And before you know it, my image will be manifest in your life. It was Robert Murray McShane who said, for every look at self, take 10 looks at Christ. Live near to Jesus and all things will appear little to you in comparison with eternal realities. Mm -hmm. Mm. Beautiful. That's really good. Elizabeth Elliot, actually, uh, I just learned this, that she has free audio on Blue Letter Bible. Yes, she does. So that could be a resource for you guys to grab a hold of or um, even use and send the links for others to listen to it. Right. So Yeah, it's good. So, Margaret, outside of this book, is there anything else that would be helpful uh, for us to really know or learn about in terms of providing biblical counseling to someone struggling with depression? Well, perhaps a few things, and ones that I'm sure uh, you all are aware of. Uh, quite simply, uh, pray with them, pray for them, mm -hmm. uh, and just a few other simple things. Encourage them to find a gospel-centered church where they can be refreshed by the teaching of God's Word and by the presence of His people. I love that at the end of Psalm 32, here's David who's returned back to the Lord. And what does he say? He's, it's almost like he's come back to the congregation. He said, I'm surrounded by songs of deliverance. Mm -hmm. When we're in a strong church, we're surrounded by people who care for us, who pray for us, who will encourage us. And so I think it's very important to, to be a part of a, a gospel-centered church. Mm -hmm. uh, I would also say very practically, make sure they have a good doctor who can monitor any problems like, like thyroid or vitamin deficiency, which can, again, cause some forms of depression. Uh, I would say also stress the need for exercise, get out in the sun, take a walk, mm -hmm. uh, encourage them to spend more time in the Word and prayer 
and less time in social media. Uh, John Piper said mm. one of the great uses of Facebook and Twitter in judgment will be to show that, that prayerlessness was not for a lack of time. No. If I, I say that all I mean, the time. I mean, if there was ever that. a mic drop statement, that's it. I mean, <laughs> spiritually speaking. Oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. that is so good. So so I encourage the, the people that are coming to me, you know, don't don't look at the fake world of Facebook. You look at the, the face in God's book, mm. and that's what will transform us. Uh, I also encourage people to get right with, uh, with people who've wronged them, uh, to forgive those who've wronged them. Uh, and this is a big one, and this is something I counsel all the time. Put your expectations in God who never disappoints. See also Romans 5, 5, which says God has poured out his love mm-hmm. in our hearts so that we would never be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of the people, uh, rather than people who are not and never will be equipped to meet the needs of their heart and soul. Uh, to practice gratitude. Uh, especially for their salvation. I, I encourage people to do this one thing. When you get up in the morning, before you put your feet on the ground, thank God that he saved you. You didn't mm. deserve it. He had chose to have mercy on you. Thank God that because of this, because of his uh, uh, choosing you to be his own, that you won't be in hell forever. Mm. And if you start your day at the bottom in humility, just thanking God for salvation, you have no where to go but up. Mm. So I encourage people to start their day with just a humble recognition that God had mercy on them when he didn't have to. Mm. There are often times where um, even just reading scripture was really hard because of just where my mind was. It was hard to retain information. It was very overwhelming. And so I would like write scripture. So I would just open up and just write it down. So it wasn't even about like learning it, like, you know, oh, I got to understand what the scripture is saying, but just being in it, you know what I mean? So that might be another tip that would be helpful. Another, another thing that I have started to recommend to pretty much everybody I'm counseling is I, I came across an app called Encounter and it's a daily it's a, a every day there's a new drop where it's a biblical meditation very gospel centered mm-hmm. and I just encourage people it, they're typically 15 minutes and I just encourage them every morning and every evening center yourself yes. it, that's just a tool that can help you look up if you don't have the words to say mm-hmm. yes that's good. Yeah, that is good have friends who can just you know not not try you're not trying to fix anything but that just can encourage you and mm-hmm. remind you of and helping you right. look to the lord any other thoughts there michael no i, I mean i think that I'm spot on yeah it's so good. this this podcast has definitely been a, an encouragement just to me personally so i i pray that all those who are listening as well is being impacted by this and actually one that i think could be re-listened to you know what i mean like come mm-hmm. back to it once a year so margaret thank you for that when you think about this book what what are your thoughts like just in writing it and you know um you know being a booklet that they can buy how do you think a pastor we have pastors we have biblical counselors you know different even just those who are just serving in community groups right. that, that listen to our podcast Podcast, how do you think they could actually use this book as a resource? Like, how would this book be beneficial to them or others? Well, Shana, I wrote this little booklet to give um, what I thought were some salient points as to how God made me more than a conqueror over depression in my life. It, it, again, mm-hmm. it was it was it's basically my testimony. 
And I know that when people are deep in the pits of despair and sorrow, they aren't as inclined to pick up a large volume on depression, Mm -hmm. uh, as good as some of them may be. A pastor or counselor may use this little booklet like rungs of a ladder so that those who are deep in the sunless pits of depression can begin to climb out. So in my mind, this this booklet is more catalytic than comprehensive Mm -hmm. uh, so that they may have that spark of hope. Uh, so that they can do the next thing, uh, so that they might be able to move from the sometimes paralyzing sadness of depression to start taking little steps toward the light found in God's Word, to hold on, uh, to take hold of the unfailing promises of a joy-giving God, and then they would they might be able to more to more clearly hear the gospel centered counseling that is offered them and also they can start to delve more fully into biblically sound and much more exhaustive works and i'd like to name a few if i may uh, ed welch's book depression a stubborn darkness is a great resource mm-hmm. uh, martin lloyd jones and i think it's his masterpiece it's called mm-hmm. spiritual depression uh, elizabeth elliott's a path through suffering and i highly recommend dr jeremy lelick's comprehensively sound book biblical counseling basics and if if i may say and and I'd, I'd like to close out with this the book is indeed called depression the sun always rises and i'm wondering if you'd let me share a little story Absolutely. of course yeah so uh when uh, my mother died quite suddenly i decided to move uh back to where my dad was they had just started to build their dream home out in the country so they were living in this little trailer house my mom passed away suddenly so i took my, my myself and my little dog and we moved back because I, I wanted to be with dad to help him out so we're living out here in the country in the middle of nowhere and i tell my dad one day that i had to go back to denton to for to visit with some friends and would he watch over my little dog whose name was baxter and he said he, that he would so uh what happened was and it was one of those those really dark texas nights i mean it was moonless and the and, and the clouds were hiding the stars and so it was pitch black and that was when my little dog baxter decided to run into the woods Mm. and my dad was thinking I I, I can't let anything happen to my daughter's dog so he grabs his flashlight and it's about midnight and he goes into these dark woods I'm talking about there's ravines there's there's gulches there's barbed wire and my dad is charging in there looking for that for that dog and about a hundred feet in the flashlight goes out And here's my dad, who was not a young man. He was an elderly man. And he's he's sitting in the woods. I mean, standing in the woods. And it's pitch black. And he has no idea what direction it is. And so this is what happened. Well, the next day, I come back. And there's my dad. After He told me this whole story. And there's my dad sitting there in his chair with, that, with Baxter sitting there very sheepishly beside him. And there wasn't a mark on him. And I said, Dad, you know, given all that you told me, what, what did did you do? And he looked at me and he said, well, Margaret, I just sat down. I said, what? He goes, I just sat down. He said, I knew the sun would come up in the morning. Mm. And what I would say to anyone who is in the the Mm. darkness of depression, you wait on God. You trust God. You look up and the sun will rise in your life again. Mm. 
Mm. I don't want to say anything after that. <laughs> as I'm saying something that was yeah. so good. I told you guys we had uh, a very special guest. Margaret, today. very special guest. Thank you so so much for coming on today and just encouraging me and everyone who's listening. I cannot wait for Michael you to edit this and launch it. Um, well, there's nothing to edit, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so good. Thank you again. Thank mm-hmm. you all. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Speak the Truth. 